Well, this morning uh, we're beginning a brand new uh, series of messages. I want to welcome you to that. And if you're here for the first time, it's a good time to be here at Hope uh, as we begin a brand new series entitled, What is a Christian? And so let's begin, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, with a little word association. Um, how many of you know what an American is? Raise your hand if you know what an American is. Okay? If I were to ask you, all of you would get the question, the, question, the answer right. An American is someone who lives in America. Uh, does everybody know what an Arab is? Raise your hand if you know what an Arab is. Okay, about half of you. Um, do you know what a Canadian is? Okay, do you care? No, I shouldn't say that. No. So, do you know what a comedian is? Okay, most of us know what a comedian is. Okay, so what, what about this word? Um, uh, how many of you, don't raise your hand here because uh, you'll look silly. Uh, how many of you know what a Christian is? Now think about that for a moment. What is a Christian? Now, if I were to divide you and all of you, most of you, not some, some of you don't, but most of you claim to be Christians. If I were to divide you in groups of 10 and then have you share with each other what you think a Christian is, there would be 10 different answers in every single group. I mean, you might have some key words, believe, Jesus, God, faith. I mean, you have some key words, but there would be 10 different answers to that question. If somebody walked up to you on the street and said, are you a Christian? Some of you would say, yes, I am. Others of you would say, even though you are, others of you would say, well, yes, but, but what do you mean by that? Be, what, am I a Christian? Now, some of you would say, uh, yes, but I'm not like that group. And some would say, no, I'm not a Christian. And some would say, yes, but, you know, that weird group or that weird church, I'm not part of that. So I'm a Christian, but I'm just not part of that. Now, all of us grew up with tradition. Some of you didn't grow up in church, but many of us did. And we grew up with different traditions in church. And for me and my tradition that I grew up in, you were a Christian if you prayed a prayer. Okay, now you've heard me lead you many times in a prayer to receive Christ. And that was the tradition I grew up in, that if you prayed a prayer that you got your ticket punched, you were you got a, a pass, you know, a gold ticket, and you get to go to heaven. So that's the tradition that I grew up in. Uh, some of you grew up in a tradition where uh, if you were baptized as a baby, you were a Christian. Or if you took a class like uh, catechism or confirmation, you were a Christian. So many of us were raised in different traditions, but all of us believed as we were being raised that um, the tradition I was raised in is the one true tradition. <laughs> We've all believed that. I mean, if you didn't believe it, you wouldn't go to church unless, you know, your parents made you and then you quit when you got done. But, but we all believe that this tradition that I grew up in, this is true. I remember very well uh, between my sophomore and junior years of high school, my uncle who lived in Glendale, California, uh, in the Los Angeles area, of course, we grew up in San Diego. My uncle invited me up to work at his gas station for the summer. I'd make some money, get maybe hopefully, hopefully get enough money to buy a used car, which I did. It was awesome. 1959 Plymouth Station Wagon, you know, for $150. It was really quite a beauty. Anyway, so, so I, I, my, I asked my parents if I could do that. Now, I was only 15 years old at the time, and uh, my parents weren't too sure. And finally, they sat me down to have the talk. I didn't know what the talk was about. I thought the talk was going to be about sex, but thank God it wasn't that. Uh, but the talk was about religion. Now, Dwayne, 
We love your aunt and uncle, Uncle Dick and Aunt Dorothy. I know you love them. Uh, in fact, uh, two, their two kids were my age, so I love being with them. Um, but, Dwayne, you've got to understand something. Dick and Dorothy are Catholics, which means they're not Christians. And they do things that Christians don't do. They drink and they smoke. And every once in a while, Uncle Dick uh, at the gas station, you know, when he hurt, hits his finger, he'll say a word that you're not supposed to say. Of course, I'd already heard those words and used most of them. And, and, and my mom and dad were very, very sincere. He said, be very careful when you go there. In other words, you're in danger. Your faith is in danger of being attached by this evil thing. Now, it's not just us. At the same time, my uncle and aunt were having a conversation with their kids about me. Be very careful. He's a Protestant. And those Protestants think they know everything, but we invented Christianity, the Catholics, and they didn't. And as you had all, so all of us grew up in this tradition. I grew up in a church that was fundamental, Bible-believing, premillennial, pre-trib, born again. Christian was never enough. <laughs> you had to have at least 12 adjectives to describe what kind, what type of a Christian you were. I used to sing, my hope is built on nothing less than Schofield Notes and Scripture Press. And when I would do that, there would always, a tear would come in my eye. I mean, we had the answer. We knew the right way. Everyone else outside of us was wrong. We were right. And you know why we were right? Because we went to church on Sunday night. And we went to church on Wednesday night for prayer meeting. And those liberals... Those Catholics and those Methodists and Presbyterians, they didn't go. The churches were dark on Sunday night. I mean, we, they used to say that, that you, go to, you go to Sunday morning service for the love of the church. You go to Sunday night service for the love of the pastor. And you go to Wednesday night service for the love of God. <laughs> so if you don't make it to Wednesday, forget about the whole rest of the thing. I mean, we believed with all our heart that we had the answer. We were the real deal. Now, if you were to ask people again on the street, if you're a Christian, some might say, well, I was a Christian. Um, there was a time I went to camp, or I went to church, I prayed the prayer, and, but it didn't take, uh, and so I, I was a Christian. And then others would say, no, 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 you can't be a was. You know, if you're a Christian, once a Christian, always a Christian. You, you can't be a was. And then uh, they, would, they would respond back, well, yes, I was a was, I mean... I mean, we all know what that was feels like, right? When you're 16 years old and, and you're on a date and you did something that you know you shouldn't have done on the date and whatever that was. And, and, and I remember driving home, you know, when I was 16 with my hands on my 59 Plymouth station wagon and the girl sitting next to me being terrified that I'm going five miles a mile or under the speed limit because if I got in a wreck and got killed, hell would open up and swallow me up. Because of what I just did on the date. I mean, there was this kind of sense of, I can be a was, and I don't want to be a was. I want to be an is. And it's like Garrison Keillor, uh, he used to talk about the Lutheran church he grew up in. He said, one, there's this one boy, he's called Larry the Sad Boy. And every Sunday, Larry the Sad Boy would come up to the altar and repent of his sins and ask God to come into his life again. Every single Sunday. It's kind of like Tylenol. I'll keep taking him until it finally takes. You know, it, it just doesn't work that way. Now, then a group of even in our church and many people in the world, maybe anywhere from five to six trillion people in the world would say this about Christianity. I hate Christians. Anything that has the name Christian attached to it, I hate. Here's what the world believes about Christianity. Quote, Christians are judgmental, homophobic moralists 
who think they are the only ones going to heaven, and they secretly relish the fact that everyone else is going to hell. Now, if you don't believe that, you know somebody that does, right? Can I get an amen there? If you don't believe that, you know somebody that does. And it's almost embarrassing to you when they, they kind of, and, and you, you always want to say, well, well, we're not that kind of a Christian. <laughs> That's not our church. We don't believe in religion. We believe in relationship and we have all the answers and, and, and we just want to say that that's not the kind of Christian we are. And if you don't feel this way, like I said, you know someone who does. So I, we recently had this flap over Chick-fil-A, really kind of funny when you look at it, but it gets big. These things get big, don't they? So Chick-fil-A, the, the head of Chick-fil-A, the, the founder or the president, I forget, CEO, he, said, he came, made a statement about uh, uh, the sanctity of marriage in contrast to gay marriage. And, and so he probably shouldn't have said it as a CEO, but he did. And it was his opinion, and that's okay. And, but the, I'll tell you, the world just kind of rose up and said, Ah, you can't say that, and you're bad, and don't go to Chick-fil-A, and don't eat. And then the Christians say, Oh, no, go to Chick-fil-A and eat. And there's all this weird stuff. And you know why all that weird stuff was going on? Because the world believes that Christians are judgmental, homophobic moralists, who think they are the only ones going to heaven and they secretly relish the fact that everyone else is going to hell. Don't be too hard on those non-Christians. They've had, a, they've, had a, they've had a bad from us. They have not seen the real Jesus through us. They have seen this weird, crusade-driven, uh, kill you if you don't believe in what I believe in kind of Christianity, burn down the abortion clinic people, and God weeps at that. What is a Christian? It's not that. Now, I've got good news and bad news. The good news is that none of what we've talked about so far is described in the Bible as being a Christian. So that's good, right? The bad news is that most everything that you and I have been thought about Christianity regarding Scripture is probably wrong. Now, some of you may say, you can't say that about me. You know, I'm smarter than you, and you probably are. He said, in fact, you're going to go home and you say, I'm going to prove him wrong. I'm going to look at my Bible. And, prove, and you're going to go home and take your Bible and go, I'm going to take my Bible. I'm going to prove to him. Right? Right? Yeah. So, but you know what? Any, I'm, I believe anything that gets you to open your Bible is a good thing. So be mad at me. You know, just be mad. It's all right. But my bottom line is, I'm going to tell you that what you think is a Christian is not. And I'm going to do that, not my opinion, but what Jesus says. So here's what we're going to discover the word Christian and all of its derivatives, Christianity, Christendom, it only appears in the Bible. I've told you this a couple weeks ago. How many times? Three times. Three times in all the Bible. And all three times it's mentioned, it's not defined. In fact, what we're going to discover today is that the term Christian was more of a derogatory word that people outside the faith used to describe those who were Christ followers. This Jesus community, they never used the term, the Jesus community itself never used the term to describe themselves Christians. Now, think of derogatory words about other people groups. Some of them are so offensive I won't even use them in church. But think about them. Um, when I was a kid uh, growing up in the 50s, uh, I heard from schoolmates and everything, I heard the term Jap a lot. You know, we just defeated Japanese, World War II, 1945. You know, we all know what happened in December 1941. And, and so that was a very ugly derogatory. I remember my dad, in a not-so-subtle way, you know, by smacking me across the head, he said, we don't use that word. 
And it made me realize that, you know, that, you know, that's, that's, that's being pejorative about a group of people, assuming that all of those people are the same way and they're all bad and, you know, that kind of a thing. But we have those words about people groups, don't we? Jap, geek, chink, wop, kite. I mean, you look at a group, they act alike, they dress alike, they talk alike, and we go, oh, that group, and we refer to them as those and them and they. And that's the way Christianity was referred to in the first century. When someone said Christian, and Christianity didn't even, wasn't even a word then, someone said Christian, they go, ooh, that group. Those people that get together in those agape feasts and they do stuff like eating flesh and blood and ooh, that communion thing. Ooh, yuck, that group. Christians, you know, I don't want any part of that. So let me tell you, just give you a little background. In the book of Acts, and the book of Acts was the story of the church it wasn't the Acts of the Apostles uh, like it was deemed a thousand years ago. It was the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And uh, during that, the church came into being. Jesus Christ had gone to heaven. He left the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit was there. And, uh, and uh, people were coming to Christ. And especially in Jerusalem, it started out, there were these uh, followers of the way. These followers of Jesus. And these followers of the way, they scattered into all of Asia Minor. And uh, some of them got as far away as what we know as modern-day Turkey in a place called Antioch. Now, God had done amazing things in Jerusalem. But then uh, in Jerusalem, they heard about these Christians that were forming in Antioch. And they really didn't have a, a connector there, somebody that they had sent. So they're a little bit afraid. Maybe they're off, you know, if they get weird about their doctrine or something. We better go check it out. So, um, So the church... And these are the big dudes, Peter, John, and Matthew, you know, and James, now the brother of Jesus. Now, wouldn't that be cool to be, James was the head of the church in Jerusalem. I wouldn't you've loved to have a conversation with James. So James, tell me what Jesus was like when he was 14. No, no, we don't want to do that. So, so James is the church leader, and there's Peter and all these big wigs, and they send Barnabas, go find Saul, who later became Paul. Saul was, a, he's a believer now, but they're still calling him Saul. Go find Saul, he lives in Tarsus. And, uh, and then go to Antioch and figure this thing out. And so Barnabas goes to um, Tarsus, picks up Saul, and they go to uh, find, uh, um, they, they go to um, uh, Antioch, and this is what Acts 11 says. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. Now, the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. Now, they weren't called Christians by other Christians. They were called that in Antioch. Now, let me give you another example. It's just corroborated by a historian, a Roman historian by the name of Tacitus, um, lived in the late first century. Tacitus was writing about Nero in 64 AD, when Nero burned down Rome, and then when Nero burned down Rome, he blamed a group, a sectarian group of people that were doing weird things, and that group was called Christians. Okay, so that's what Nero said. This was written by Tacitus in July of 64 AD. Consequently, to get rid of the report, Nero fastened the guilt and inflicted the most exquisite tortures on a class hated for their abominations. Now, their abominations were things like communion. This is my body, this is my blood. This uh, hated for their abominations called Christians. Who were they called Christians by? By the populace. 
Christus, from whom, and by the way, Christus, if you just change the, uh, the I to E, Crestus means dog. So Nero used to have a lot of fun with that. You know that, that, that religious guy, Crestus, you know that dog? So he used to have a lot of fun. Christus, from whom the name had its origin, suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius at the hands of one of our procurators, Pontius Pilatus. And a most mischievous superstition. This Christianity thing is a most mischievous superstition. Thus checked for the moment, it stopped for the moment, they thought, again broke out, not only in Judea, the first source of the evil, but even in Rome, where all things hideous and shameful from every part of the world find their center, etc., etc., etc. So, so here we have a Roman historian, Tacitus, who is saying that Nero blamed this group, Christians, on burning of Rome, and uh, I'm corroborating that. So uh, it was always when they referred to the idea of Christians, it was always said like those Christians. It's like you hear often on the news today or in print or in movies or television, Christians. You know, it's that uh, yuck, that group. They dress alike, they look alike, they talk alike. Yuck, that group. So that was Christians, and that word was not used. But the followers themselves called themselves something completely different. The followers of Jesus called themselves something far more, let's say it like it is, terrifying and convicting. The reason that the word Christian is so misunderstood is that it can be defined any way you want. Well, I'm an American. Therefore, I'm a Christian. I believe in God. Therefore, I'm a Christian. I'm a Republican. Therefore, I'm a Christian. I'm a Democrat. Therefore, I'm a Christian. You know, I go to church. Therefore, you can define it any way you want. It's no wonder that it's so misunderstood. Now, the other two times that the word was used, one with Peter, one with Paul, and both were people from the outside claiming them, uh, calling them Christians. Now, there's a term in the Gospels in the New Testament that is used of this early band of followers very consistently to describe these people, this Jesus movement, these people on the way. And that terrifying term is the term disciple. The reason it's so disturbing, and in my opinion should disturb you, it's disturbed me this last couple of weeks, the reason it's so disturbing and so terrifying is that it is so clearly defined. As opposed to Christianity, that's not defined at all. You can make it believe anything you want to. But the word disciple is very clearly defined. You can hide behind the term Christianity all day long. And we have, as the world has, the United States has. I mean, Christians, people go to war in the name of Christianity. You hide behind that. I mean, we can be a Republican or a Democrat in the name of Christianity. You can be a hellfire preacher in the name of Christianity. You can burn down an abortion clinic in the name of Christianity. You can define it any way you want to. But the word disciple? You look in your New Testament and you look at what it means and you say to yourself, Oh, my word. Have I signed up for this? Maybe I want to go back to being a Christian so I can define it any way I want, but... Am I sure I'm ready to be signed up for being a disciple? That's huge. That's big. That word terrifies you. Well, let me give you a few examples. In Acts 11, the disciples 
were called Christians by people outside of them. Now, the word disciple, let me, I should say, uh, comes from the word mathatos. It means a learner, a pupil, an apprentice, a protege, a follower. Now, a disciple would ask these kinds of questions. Now, uh, Jesus, I'm trying to make a decision in my business, and it's going to really affect uh, my income levels, and uh, Jesus, what should I do? That's what a disciple would do. Jesus, in this situation with my, uh, with my spouse, um, I feel very hurt, but how, how should I respond to her? How should I respond to him? And then we would listen for Jesus' response. Now, Jesus, if, if, if you were me, in this particular situation, in this particular relationship, if you were me, what would you do? We would also ask the question, Jesus, where, where are you going? Because, because, Jesus, wherever you're going, that's where I'm going to. Now, th- this is a completely different idea than being a Christian. Defining it any way you want to. This is saying, I am sitting under the authority of, under the control of, I am willfully putting myself under the authority of, under the control of, Jesus Christ. We would ask, well, in this situation, how would I react? And we would ask the question, what, what would Jesus do? How do you live your life? How do you manage your relationships? If you're a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, those are the questions you are constantly asking yourself. How do I live? How do I act? How do I respond like Jesus? And before, and this is what's wonderful, and before... Jesus gives the answer and tells us what his opinion is about what we do or think or feel or believe or where we go. Before he even gives us the answer, we say, my answer is yes. Before he even gets out the the response, my answer is yes. Yes, 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 yes. I sign up. I'm, I'm a disciple. You say it, Jesus, and I'll do it. My answer is yes. Now, Jesus, what do you think I should do? Now, now, this is a completely different and scary, I, I hope you feel it's scary, a completely different and scary way of doing business to be a disciple. Let me give you some other examples in Scripture. In those days, the number of the disciples were increasing, Acts 6.1. Acts 14, they preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. A lot harder being uh, a disciple than it is being a Christian that can be defined any way you want to define it. And in Joppa, uh, Acts chapter 9, there was a disciple named Tabitha who was always doing good and helping the poor. Uh, they even had disciplettes. <laughs> they had women disciples. And you think, well, that's, of course they did. Well, no, not of course they did. Women had no position before Jesus. <laughs> women had no rights before Jesus. Don't think women's liberation in 1973, ladies, set you free. Jesus did 2,000 years ago. <laughs> he made you equal with man, not, uh, not women's liberation movement. Okay? You have been set free. You matter. You have a place. And a disciple knows that. We are disciples. Now, this brings us to what I believe is the very terrifying and disturbing question we have to face today. And it's this. Are we disciples? And please don't take that in a light way. Am I 
a disciple? Or are we just Christians? Are you a follower of Jesus? And, and regardless of the question that he asks us or asks of us, we already, we already tell him the answer. Oh, okay, the answer is yes. <laughs> Jesus, whatever you ask of me. Julianne, why would a suburban girl college student go to India? That's ridiculous. No, no. If Jesus says, I want you to go to India, you go to India. The answer is yes. How am I going to do it? I don't know. But I'll figure it out. Church will help me. I'll figure it out. The answer is yes. So to close on the subject, I want to take you into a moment in the life of Jesus when he's speaking to his disciples in this moment in which Jesus gives his marching orders, the moment in which he defines what a disciple is. We need to know that if we're going to live out this crazy life, uh, the, the moment that he says to them what he wants of them. So if you want to be a disciple, a follower, a protege, here's what I want you to do. Here is the bottom line. Now, uh, if we in history had gotten this one element of teaching correct for the last 2,000 years. Not being a Christian, but being a disciple. It would have changed everything, I believe, in my heart. Um, it would have changed, probably, whether or not we had a World War One or a World War Two or Civil War. If we had been disciples instead of Christians, slavery would have been unthinkable. Aurora, Colorado would not have happened. If the followers of Jesus had actually followed, not the Ten Commandments, as good as they are, there's nothing wrong with the Ten Commandments, we just can't keep them. But instead of trying to follow the Ten Commandments or to follow all of Paul's teachings, if we have just gotten this one thing right, to listen to Jesus, to listen to what he says a disciple is, it would have changed everything. So let me describe the scene. So it's the Last Supper. Uh, Jesus is with his disciples uh, before he goes to the cross. And uh, Judas has already dipped his bread in the wine and he's been called out. So he's disappeared. And Jesus is left with the other 11 disciples. He says, boys, lean in here. Come on in here. I want to tell you something. What I'm going to tell you now, what I'm going to tell you now matters more than anything else. We've done a lot of ministry together over three years. It's awesome. Healings. I even raised a couple people from the dead. It was really neat. I mean, a lot of good. But what I'm going to tell you right now, he said, Jesus said, because I'm going to be leaving you and I'm going to, I'm going to go away. He says, and what I'm going to tell you now is more important than anything else. It, it tells you what your marching orders are. It tells you what you're supposed to do, who you're supposed to be as disciples, not this vague thing we call Christians. Who's your, and, and, and just as he's asking, press in, boys, I want you to hear this. And then Peter raises his hand. And, okay, Peter, what is it? Where are you going? <laughs> Jesus said, no, you missed the whole point. I'm trying to tell you. Where are you going? Because it, you, if I'm going with you. And if, if Andrew's going and I'm not invited, I'm going anyway, you know, and there's all this stuff. And Jesus said, no, no, it's not. Don't worry about that. I want to tell you who you are and what you're supposed to be. And then he speaks these words in John chapter 13. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. All men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Lean in, boys. Lean in. I want you to hear this. This matters more than anything else you've ever heard. This is your marching orders. This is how you're supposed to live. 
Because I want the world to see the way you 11 people, and we're going to add Matthias later, I want the world to see how you 11 people love each other and treat each other, and how you love others outside of you. And I want them to see that, and I want them to want that more than anything in their life. You want to know what it is to be a disciple? Love the people around you. This matters. Love one another. And you can almost hear Peter saying, yeah, but where are you going? <laughs> Jesus, you're totally missing the point. Peter, this, this matters more than anything. And then he's probably said to Peter something like, Peter, look over there at Matthew. Matthew is considered by Jews a traitor. He's a tax collector. He's a sinner, a prodigious sinner. And, and Peter, do you remember when we went to Matthew's house? And some of you disciples whined and said, my mama told me I'm not supposed to hang out with people like Matthew. I'm not supposed to go to their houses because they might have something bad there. And, 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 and Jesus said, do you remember we went anyway? And uh, Peter, do you remember how the fact that he's a traitor, the fact that he's a sinner? Do you remember how that I loved Matthew? Do you remember how I loved him? How I embraced him? How I welcomed him? Peter, that's what it means to be a disciple. Nathaniel? Look over at Nathaniel. Remember, he's the guy that said, uh, no good thing can come out of, of, of Nazareth. You know, he's talking about me, Jesus said. You know, I could have been very offended by that, but when he said that, Peter, did you notice how I, I love Nathaniel? And Peter, how about you? How many times have I forgiven you? How many times have I washed your feet when you didn't deserve it? By this one thing, this dynamic, this relationship breakthrough, they will know you are my disciples by how you love each other. Now, this is a much smaller category than being a Christian. I know you're all Christians, but are you disciples? The litmus test, the bottom line is not church attendance. It's not how often you read your Bible or how loud you pray. The litmus test to being a disciple is do you love one another? And Peter said, but Lord, where are you going? <laughs> I, I still want to know where you're going. And he said, listen, Peter, in about 45 minutes, you're going to betray me because you're terrified of a middle school girl. <laughs> There's going to be this girl that's going to say, are you one of the disciples? And you're going to say, no, I'm not one of the disciples. So, so don't tell me about this. Peter, it's not that I want you to die. I don't want you to... I just want you to understand that being my follower is much harder than being a Christian. It's loving each other. And and here's something else, Peter, I want you to know. I I am intending to create a community. That's the church, Jesus Christ. I'm intending to create a community of people that are so defined by that unconditional, generous, uncompromising ridiculous, would you possibly do that kind of love, love? That people on the outside are going to come to the edge of the church, maybe on the edge of the property or on the edge of who you are, over-listening your conversation. They're going to come to the edge and they're going to peer in and they're going to say, that's what I want. Those people treat each other differently than, than anybody else in the world treats anybody else. They treat their enemies different than anybody else treats their enemies I want that. I don't want to be a Christian, but that I want. I want that in my employees. 
I want that to marry my daughter. I, I want that kind of love. I want that. Jesus said, Peter, look at the way I've told you about women. How I've told you that men should treat women. I, I want the, the world to peer over the edge and say, that's how you treat a wife? That's how you respect a husband? I want that. I don't know about this Christianity thing. I don't know about this Christian, but I want that. Widows, orphans, marginalized, sick people, slaves. The world looks at us and says, I don't know about this Christianity thing, but the way that you love each other and the way that you take care of the sick and the broken and marginalized, I want that. I want that. Jesus said, I want you to build communities like that. I want those communities to pop up all over the world. And I want the world to be peering in and saying, you know, I don't know about all this religion stuff, this doctrine stuff, but I do know this. I want to be like them. Love one another. Imagine families. We have about um, active families in our church, about, oh, 300 and some active families in our church. Imagine if the families in our church for three months would love and respect each other and the people around them for just three months. Imagine what would happen if in politics, maybe the most ungodly place in the world, the politics for one season, until now, until the election, would simply behave as if they loved other people and respected other people. Imagine what our schools would be like if we unleashed five, six hundred people from Hope Covenant Church on our schools. Uh, all of those kids that sit up here, they're now being taught in the other room by path. How about if we unleash those 40 or 50 kids into their high schools and their middle schools and they just, they just are disciples? They're not Christians. They're disciples. This one thing. Love one another as I have loved you. Now I want to close by just speaking to, to you for a second. If you're a follower of Jesus, and I know many of you are, I'm, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to challenge you for the next three months to think a new way about who you are. Think in this way, if, if I'm, a, 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 if I'm a, a, a disciple, not just a Christian, if I'm a disciple, what impact is that going to have on my marriage? What impact is to love the way that Jesus loved me in everything I do and say? What impact is that going to have on my children? Or my parents? Yeah, yeah I know your parents. Or they're like me. Yeah, they haven't had an original thought, thought since 1967. But the, point, but the point is, what, what, what would it mean to respect them in a way that Jesus respects me? What would that look like? To love as I have loved you. I, I'm calling you to be committed to this for three months. To be a disciple. See how it works. See how it fits. You might want to go back to being a Christian because being a Christian is a lot easier. You can do anything you want and call yourself a Christian. But being a disciple, <laughs> loving each other, loving your families, loving your enemies the way that Jesus, that's a whole different ballgame. Ball so believers, followers of Christ, I'm calling you to do this for three months, to be a disciple. Try it for three months, see if it fits. 
For those of you who are not yet followers of Jesus, maybe you're still deciding, wondering, I want a word to you. First of all, I want to say to you, many of you, and I know you, um, on behalf of the Church of Jesus Christ, we're sorry. We're sorry. So many times we've misrepresented Jesus. We've been judgmental and condemning, and we've said that your lifestyle matters more than you do. And so many times we've just turned away from you because you scare us. And so many times the church has said no to you when they should have said yes. And, and, so, and you've been hurt by the church and you've been hurt by Christians. So I just want to say on behalf of all of us, I'm sorry. It was wrong. But please, please don't judge Jesus by us. Give Jesus a chance. His love is forever. His love is unconditional. His love will never disappoint you. Give Jesus a chance. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Father, we're just um, getting started with this series that's been really in my heart for several months. And Lord, I I just want to acknowledge that um, much of my life I've lived as a Christian and I just want to say I'm sorry. Because my heart has always been since the time I was 16 years old and I gave my heart and my life to Jesus. My desire has always been to be a disciple, but so many times they've taken the easy way and I've just been a Christian. So Lord, forgive me. And I pray that for every believer here and I pray that in the next three months, Father, you would help us to, to be disciples, to love each other as Jesus loved us, to love our families as Jesus loved us, to love our enemies as Jesus loved us. Father, help us. And Lord, for those here this morning who have been hurt by the church and by Christians, I just pray that their hearts and their lives would be opened up to the possibility of Jesus, Christ alone. And I pray, Lord, that they would come back and hear some more on this subject and that as their hearts are moved and touched and turned, that there might be a time when they say literally yes to you. Maybe not yes to the Christian thing, but they say yes to you. So, Father, that's my prayer. And I pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.